Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Thanks for joining us on This Week Health Keynote. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a channel dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Special thanks to our keynote show sponsors, Sirius Healthcare, VMware, Transparent, Press Ganey, Sempris, and Veritas for choosing to invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. All right, so today we have a special episode for you. It is audio only, so if you're going to be looking for this out on the YouTube channel, you're not going to find it. This is just uh, clips from the conferences. So I, I interviewed about 50 people at the two conferences, and one of the questions I like to ask is, what's top of mind? It gives me a very quick, high-level overview of what's going on in the industry. What are CIOs focused in on, and what are they working on? I would Give these people some grace as you hear this. It is snippets. It is part of a larger conversation. And we also have conversations on and off the camera that we talk about some different things. And they will ask me things like, hey, you know, cybersecurity is top of mind. Do you want me to talk about that? And I'll talk to them about some other things. I'll say, no, no, that's a more interesting topic. Let's talk about that. And so sometimes I coach them not to talk about the obvious, but to talk about other things. So don't read too much into the fact that this is what they said was top of mind, but just hear the, the tapestry as you listen to the various different perspectives, think, you know, what size health system is this? How many hospitals do they represent? Think about, are they rural? Are they urban? Think about, are they a specialty hospital? and what is going on in their market, what's going on in, in their life cycle. Perhaps they just finished an EHR migration, perhaps they're looking at new systems. So I find this to be a, a great way to get a, a good feel of what's going on in the industry. The other thing I will tell you is, this is the number one question I'm asked from people. After they see I've done 50 interviews, they're like, hey, give me a sense of what's going on in the industry. And so you're gonna hear a lot about cybersecurity. You're going to hear about labor and staffing, and you're going to hear about a, a myriad of other topics that health systems are focusing in on. And you're going to hear that straight from them in their own words. All right, let's go with the first clip here. And it is Andy Crowder sort of setting up the conversation for us. Top of mind at Atrium right now. So huge growth, huge success. I think the war on talent, keeping your top talent engaged and happy with choice and flexibility is really key. And attracting right talent for these critical roles. There you have it. I mean, that's as succinct as you get. And that's the shortest clip, by the way. Uh, I just wanted to use that one to start us off. You have a major health system in the Southeast that is saying, look, labor, the war for talent, retaining the best talent is one of the biggest challenges that's out there. I'm gonna give you a few more of those as we move along, but uh, Andy set it up so well, so succinctly. And this is one of those things that just kept coming up over and over and over again. It's how do I attract talent? How do I retain talent? How do I find new talent? And it's a different conversation depending on where you're at. It's different conversation for rural CIOs versus urban CIOs. And what you're seeing now is urban CIOs reaching nationally for talent and increasing the rates that are being paid for 
talent that can work from anywhere. Our next clip is with Cletus Earl with Penn State Health. Here you go. What's top of mind? What's what's the challenge that you're facing right now at Penn State? You know, it's interesting because it is somewhat of a segue to, to um, you know, COVID and everything else, but it's, it's around resources. You know, one of the things that we as at Penn State, what we're doing is we continue to look for the best talent around the country, no matter where. And the dynamic, now that most people, and there's a good portion of people are working in a hybrid mode, there's a element that we have to compete in ways that we've never been able to compete before. Right. Because people are now so dispersed. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We're, we're looking for positions and you know, looking for people to fill the positions. And you know, you're starting to see people in looking for director positions and even at the VP level requiring to work remotely and not being able to re relocate. So those are, that's a whole different dynamic that we've never seen before. So talk to me about your dynamic. Are, are you requiring people to live in Pennsylvania? No, no we're not. We've changed. Right? Oh, okay, we, so they we, can live. We've migrated, right? we've, but the thing is about this bill, we're competing with all other verticals. You remember a few years ago when data analytics people were a challenge and cyber, and cy cyber, 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 cyber right? We're now talking about at the desktop level. You, everybody is actually able to um, kind of define their own, you know, uh, criteria. It's, it's very difficult to do at the desktop level. Yeah. But there's well, the yeah. resources that are just all of the different skill sets that we're seeing are now part of this whole, uh, you know, wanting to work from, you know, they, their their existing facility. Great to catch up with Cletus. Let me give you a couple more of these on the labor issue. The next one was with John Kravis from Geisinger and he drives home this theme a little bit more. What's top of mind? What's going on right now? I think staffing is the biggest concern. You know, retain, retaining staff is a big, big concern for us. We're down about 10% of our overall IT staff because of the great, you know, resignation. People leaving and remotely everywhere. So that's a big, big hit on us. And the work doesn't stop. <clears throat> well, you know, one of the interesting things, actually, I'm, I'm glad I'm talking to you because one of the things, I, a dynamic I've seen is you're not exactly in the major cities per se. You're in between the major cities. <clears throat> exactly. But you have really great staff who are epic trained, yep. analytics, yep. population health. Everything, uh, you know, CRM and you name it. We've got all that stuff. But so now I can come in from New York City, hire <clears throat> your staff away, offer them New York City rates. Yeah. It's, it's hard to compete with that. LA rates, San Francisco rates, we have all that. Yeah, it's hard to compete. So. It can't all be about salary. It's got to be about the culture of the organization, the way you connect with your people. But work-life balance is big. Work-life balance is the biggest factor that I think people are feeling because we're down staff, so we bring in contractors to help us. And contractors will do what the contract have to do, but the rest of the people that are on the team want to round it out, make sure everything's perfect, you know, for our customer, for our patient. You know, that's where, where it's all about. So we're concerned about that. As I said, recurring theme. Let me give you a little different take on this. We caught up with Zafa Chaudhry with Seattle Children's. He's the CIO out there. And we talked about how to take care of your employees, how to understand the mental health implications of the pandemic. Here you go, have a listen. What are some of the things that are top of mind right now for CIOs and, and what's going on? And, and you shared a little bit about mental health. It, 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 give, us, give us some more information on that. Yeah, so it's interesting when we debate how the pandemic has impacted us in healthcare IT support services, and yes, the usual things, recruitment, retention come up, right? And cost of running services, burnout. But related to the burnout is also the mental health of the support services individuals, uh, such as the guys in uh, health IT. And, you know, it's quite concerning to me that 
whilst we support our clinicians through this journey, that our IT folks are also facing life, right? Whether it's COVID affecting their families or their kids having to be homeschooled, they have also faced the challenges of the pandemic and, has, and it hasn't had an impact on their mental health. Great insights from Zaffa. Really appreciate him coming on the show. I want to close out this talking about staffing with a conversation that I had with Vic Aurora with Hospital for Special Surgery out of New York City. We started talking about upskilling. What is it going to take to bring in less skilled staff and bring them up to speed on the things we need them to do? Have a listen to this one. What does it look like to upskill people? How do you bring them up to speed very quickly? So uh, I'm glad you asked that question because we went through that. How do we address the cyber skills shortage? And we came up with four specific things. The first one is using as much managed service as possible for level one, level two tasks. A lot of organizations are now offering tools coupled with people and processes to solve basic or provide basic cybersecurity services. So there's no point hiring people to do level one, level two tasks. So that's one strategy. Again, it all has to be done on, on a spectrum. It's not like you can hire managed service for everything, but wherever possible, that's one. The second is automation and orchestration. With the advances in interoperability, automation, programming, and digital interfaces and APIs, Technologies previously wouldn't talk to each other because of competitive interests, but now the things have changed. All cybersecurity technologies, to some degree, it's like the EMR space as well. They, they now talk to each other, not very happily, but they do. But take advantage of automation and orchestration to reduce the amount of uh, work for your workforce. The third is finding talent within the organization somewhat along with, to your point that hiring somebody and uh, training them up because somebody on the inside, as long as they bring the right attitude, they also bring with them uh, the business knowledge, the organizational knowledge and culture is something that we hold very dear to our heart. So if I can find somebody who's culturally in tune with the organization, that's a big win already. So hiring somebody from within the organization and then having a, a, a clear program for them to get basic certifications such as CISSB or shadowing a senior engineer would be the third thing. And the last uh, thing is uh, creating an intern pipeline. We have, uh, technology has been literally turned on its head with cloud and uh, digital uh, transformations. Uh, we have a lot more need for programmers and developers than we had in the past. Everything is being sold uh, as a service. There's nobody's buying like hardware servers anymore. They're all going to cloud and it's serverless and it's all uh, in code, which means the foundational people you need are programmers. And if you can find good programmers and train them on cyber, uh, you kind of kill two birds with one stone. They're more aligned with the business objectives for the digital transformation. And if they've been trained on cyber, they can prove to be an asset and they don't have to learn a lot of legacy technology that we're moving away from anyways on-prem. So I know there's a lot of things, but those four are the approaches we're taking. Man, that was just gold. I, I love when people give me frameworks like that. It's a great framework when thinking about upskilling. Since we delved into the cybersecurity area, I'm going to do a a couple of clips real quick on the cybersecurity landscape and how people are thinking about it. The first one is with Ryan Witt with Proofpoint. Love having Ryan on the show. Great uh, perspective and helps me to really understand what's going on in the cybersecurity world. Here you go. 
Ryan, I think top of mind for everyone has to be uh, uh, Russia, Ukraine, what's going on there. You're in the cybersecurity space. Healthcare, I talked to a bunch of CIOs. They're on a heightened state of alert. I, I looked at one CIO, our uh, CISO, who was at the at the uh, previous event, at the Vive event. Um, he looks like he hadn't gotten out of the office for the last three months. Uh, right. And that might even be six months. I mean, it, it's been a tough, it's been a tough slog for these CISOs for the last couple of months, hasn't it? it, it you know, it absolutely really has. And from our standpoint, I mean, we're obviously monitoring this really, really closely. I'm sure everybody is. And, you know, being on this heightened alert is the right sort of approach, uh, to be sure. We've not seen anything unusual so far. So no, nothing new, nothing. nothing I mean, when, when they unleashed this attack, we were worried that we we're going to see all sorts of new things, right. new malware. But, new. I mean, Russian state actors or, or, you know, cyber criminal gangs out of Russia, whether they're state sponsored or not, you can, that's, that's quite a topic right there, um, have always been very active. So it's not like it's nothing's happening, but they're not, we've not seen a huge change in the norm. However, and I think it's it's important to emphasize the the however and to be cautious here because this could change. It could change quite rapidly. And as the you know as the dynamic of the of this conflict of this invasion evolves, who knows what the response and the counter response is going to be? And I you know what I'm really referring to is we're seeing more and more Western brands. Uh, pulling out or suspending their business activity uh, within China, restaurants, retailers, um, online gaming. Um, we see assets for oligarchs being suspended or frozen in multiple geographies. And as this happens, you just don't know what the reaction is going to be um, from, from Russia as a result. To what degree do they start pointing some of their cyber security uh, events towards the West and towards those, those organizations or to those countries who are seen to be causing, you know, hardship within, within Russia. I love this next clip because it sort of captures the both and, right? So it starts with cybersecurity and then it transitions to, oh, we're also thinking about some other things as well, because we, we have so many priorities. This is Jamie Nelson who is the CIO with the Hospital for Special Surgery. So what's top of mind? What are you guys working on that you're excited about? Right this moment, cyber. We are, we are very concerned about what's going on. I was listening to your podcast this morning, getting ready, and the idea that the internet is an, an international battlefield is, is, is real. And we are being very, very careful. We've, we're on heightened alert. We're working with our partners. Accenture's our major partner but just making sure that we remind our end users that they are you know, the foot soldiers in this and they should do their, their cyber hygiene, not open up emails they're not expecting, those sorts of things, but we really are on high alert. We are, at, we are thinking about ERP, that's very exciting for us. That's yeah. something more forward thinking, trying to come down to a vendor selection and get moving on that. So the next clip is from Kara Babachikos from South Shore Health. Let's have a listen. So what's top of mind for you right now as you sort of look forward? So part of what I'm trying to do is we put in Workday and we went live during the pandemic. And part of it is now going in and making sure we're really getting the efficiencies out of it. So we still have processes that were kind of overlaid 
the technology. We have entirely new leadership with great vision and big thinking, and they want the data and they want the metrics. And when you write, put these reports, and these systems in, and you don't think about what the end's going to look like, you're often found that you're handcuffed and you can't do anything. So we're going back and, and trying to reorganize and rejigger and change processes and make sure the data is highly like credible. It was great catching up with Kara at the Vive conference. It's also the first time we met, so. It was wonderful to meet her and get a sense of what's going on at South Shore. If you listen to that closely, what you're going to hear is a recurring theme, which is the pandemic threw everything into a whirl. And when that happens, you become reactive, you respond, you make sure that everything is working the way it needs to, to address the urgency that's created as a result of the situation. But you had work that continued. And it continued with fewer people, continued with less resources, with less focus, and now coming out of the pandemic, if we can say that, what you have is more of a focus going back to optimizing those systems and optimizing reports and maybe even changing our workflows. Maybe we learned some things about the data structures and how these systems operate that is going to change moving forward. So again, great conversation with Kara and great to meet her. I think what I'm going to do is share a couple of these optimization conversations with you. The first one is with Kevin Shimamoto with Valley Children's out of California, and he talks about optimizing the EHR. They actually went live with their EHR during the pandemic, so here you go. So what's what's top of mind right now? Right now we are um, going into our second year of Epic, a conversion from another EHR to Epic. and Second it, year? Yeah. And so you made the migration in the middle of the pandemic? We were the first organization, I believe, by Epic in the nation to go to, from a, to a complete remote implementation, go live period. And it was it went very well. It was a very well, uh, I, I would say, orchestrated not only from Epic, we had a, a vendor that came in that helped us. and. And we also had our internal staff on, on the floors and had our command center. But I don't think any other Epic facility at that time had gone uh, full go live in a uh, hosted or remote lo location. So. What does that look like? I mean, I'm thinking of the <laughs> bill. So we, we did a, a big EHR, any yeah. CIO have yeah. done big EHR yeah. migration. I remember bringing the teams together into uh, you know hotel I mean, we had, we had a large health system, so we right. brought all these people together, created the workflows, right. a lot of dynamic conversations right. and whatnot. During the middle of the pandemic, all that stuff was done via Teams and whatnot? Yeah, we had, I believe, six simultaneous uh, uh, sessions from a remote site. We, we used WebEx as, as our uh, go-to device to get that. We handled, so Epic had the same amount, probably three or four conference rooms open seven by 24. And so everything was handled remotely. We had, the, the vendor we had, we actually chose Optimum, who was, the, I don't know if I can say that, but that was who we used That's as fine. our company. And, and they did a great job. And we had over 100 physicians ready to go on the go live day. They, basically, we had our telecommunications, so anytime uh, we had a problem. Let's say a workstation was not working right, that particular provider physician was able to contact our, our Go Live or Help Desk Command Center. They then contacted that particular type of position they needed. He actually was able to log into that computer system remotely as in a very secure environment as well as talk to that position one-on-one -on -one 
and during the time when that pandemic hit. I think one of the biggest things that we saw during that first part of that, a lot of our surgeries, a lot of our providers did not have uh, you know, schedules at that point, so it was probably the best time to actually get the physician to get trained. And I'll tell you what, uh, the satisfaction that's come out from the physician's area post-live has been very high. All right. So let's swing over to talking to a couple of clinicians about the optimization that's going on. We're going to start with Matt Sullivan, CMIO for Atrium Health. What's top of mind for you as a CMIO? <laughs> top of mind for me is actually trying to get the physician efficiencies in the EMR and the nursing efficiencies in the EMR. We're, we're worried about lower burnout. Lower. We're worried yeah. about Yeah, there's the things of burnout. We've had a rough, rough series of environmental impacts with COVID and other issues that have hit us in the last couple of years. And so to, to transition our team from one EMR to the next, we've got to be focused on doing efficient work for them, making sure that they're not working late at night at home, trying to make sure that the fun of medicine comes back. Because in the end, taking care of patients is a privilege. We should be having fun. And if we can try to divide little things inside these EMRs and make every day a little bit better than I've done my job. Yeah, we are absolutely worried about physician burnout. We're worried about the, the burden that is placed on physicians and clinicians with the technology. So that ended up being a conversation that we heard many times from the, the various conference floors. The next conversation is with Michael Pfeffer. Michael has moved from the CIO position at UCLA over to Stanford Medicine, and we caught up with him and talked about data. Here you go. What's something that you're focused on right now that you think is, is uh, pretty impactful? Yeah, so we made a recent announcement that Stanford Healthcare hired its first chief data scientist, Dr. Nigam Shah. And the idea behind that is really embedding within the healthcare delivery part of the organization and the IT organization, applied AI. So the idea is how do we actually take all these algorithms that are developed, bring them into the healthcare setting, and then monitor them and care and feed them and make sure they're performing the way they are. So we're really, really excited about that. All right, so data science is interesting. Yes. This, this concept's coming up over and over again. We're seeing a lot of uh, big data aggregators who are saying, all right, we're going to bring these big clinical data sets together. Yeah. I guess that has its, its purpose. But you're, you're doing this locally. You're doing this locally. Well, I, I think that there's a huge you know, opportunity for looking at the local data sets and how they perform locally because um, every site has its own kind of culture, the way it does things, the way it maps data, the way it documents. And so you really need to kind of craft these algorithms specifically around clinical decision support based on kind of the way the organization practices and then monitor them because they're going to change. And there's a lot of really good evidence that algorithms, you know, drift over time. And so if you're not constantly, you know, checking them, feeding them new information, then they're not going to continue to perform. Michael was fantastic in that interview. We picked such a poor location for the interview. The background noise was not great. Plus we had people walking, literally walking between us and the camera. And so it was a little distracting as we were having that conversation, but he was, he was fantastic as always. The next clip, we're going to swing to a federally qualified healthcare center and hear from Ray Lowe out of Ultimed Health Services. Here you go. So what's top of mind for you as a CIO right now? You know, what I'm really working on is, um, it's on the value-based care and it's interesting because we're 
really more like a larger provider network. So I'm looking at it from the perspective of bringing the hospital information in. Will I do it from commonwealth care quality? Will I bring it through lanes or other areas? So that when we look at um, our capitated market, our capitated providers, et cetera, and we, we have the right alerts, right interventions, not only um, in the EMR, but also from the health plans, right? And how do we best serve the patients who have the best quality outcomes? Is your population pretty static or is it pretty dynamic? Does it change much? Um, you know, Medicaid can change every month. So people can, you know, register or change insurance every month. So it's, it's a little bit dynamic, right, you know, um, in there. But we do, uh, we've done a nice job of growing through the pandemic over the last year. Our, our patient uh, population has actually grown by about 10%. I hope you're picking up on this. It seems like if you've talked to one CIO, you've talked to one CIO, because once you get past cybersecurity and labor, which is a common set of issues across the board, they start to spread out and it's based on their geography to based on their community. They're trying to serve based on their funding model and also based on their strategy that they're trying to execute on. So interesting set of conversations. We're going to swing this in the solution direction for a couple of clips here. The first one is with Ron Emerson, who is in charge of Zoom's healthcare practice. And so he gives us some insights into how the world changed during the pandemic for them and what they're looking at coming out of it. Here you go. What's top of mind for you these days at, at Zoom? Yeah, um, there's a lot of exciting things. I mean, we all, we just went through the hyper digitalization of, of healthcare, of course, um, from COVID. and. Um, I think we've all learned a lot um, from it, of course, and I think the the one thing that um, there's really a couple things that we're focusing on. Of course, you know the world's different, and, and we have a um, um, basically hybrid models, and hybrid models can be what we're seeing is hybrid models are everything from how employees engage with the organizations, the healthcare systems that they, that they work with, and then of course, um, a hybrid models de of delivering care. So when you look at the, the, the care delivery model, you know, this is pretty much, um, it's, it's, it's known out there, but you know, before COVID, less than 3% of people who could actually access telemedicine, like video assisted virtual visits on a device, less than 3% would actually do it, right? It was a very low number. Um, and we know this from self-insured employers and, 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 and insurance companies, right? And um, and then, uh, of course, you know, COVID happened, and we saw in larger centers of excellence. This is a little bit anecdotal, but you know, I saw 75 to 90 percent of all outpatient visits being done virtually. And if you look across all sectors, um, McKinsey did a report that said about 50 percent of um, all visits during COVID. Now it's somewhere around eight to 17 percent, depending on what study you look at. Um, but the thing we do know was that patients liked it, and it's become sort of an expectation. Uh, Paul Dricks did a report, and Zoom, um, Zoom actually sponsored the report, and, uh, and Paul Dricks did it. We looked across uh, 10 countries, um, over 7,500 participants, and we found that 61% of people in the U.S. that actually had done a telemedicine visit within the last six months said that they wanted a hybrid model of care. So they wanted to be able to see the clinician when they needed to, but they also wanted to be able to do it virtually. 34% said, we just want to do it in person. And I think the leftovers like 4% said, we want to do video only, but I don't think that's realistic, so. You know, I thought I would hear more about telehealth at the conference, I really did. So uh, I guess not surprising, it's just folding into the normal operational workflow that we do within the health system. Two more clips about solutions that I found interesting. The next one is with Artisite 
And I've been talking to a fair number of people about Artisite. It's uh, one of the most compelling things I've seen in a long time. It's a platform. It's an AI video platform that can be applied in so many different areas across the board within healthcare to optimize workflows and to reduce friction in a lot of cases throughout the health system. And in this interview, I talked with the CEO, Andrew Gostein, and Stephanie Lahr, the CIO at Monument Health, who is implementing the technology. Here you go. You are processing those images, but the GPU is actually processing it, and it's the algorithm is looking for certain things. Correct. When it sees those things, it can then extrapolate what's actually going on in that image. It teaches itself. Correct. So that the algorithms that self-supervised learning approach, what it offers us is a kind of a foundational understanding of what happens in the hospital. And then with just a little bit of guidance towards the events that we care about, it can get very good very quickly at recognizing the things that clinicians are telling it are important. Well, and that's why, I mean, one of the other super compelling things for us as a health system who has, we've got room for improvement in the OR, we've got room for improvement in the hospital rooms, we've got room for improvement in the clinics, was a platform for reducing that friction in all of those areas. And so that basic understanding that's already there is great, but it also meant that we weren't just buying hand hygiene and fall reduction and uh, turn monitoring. What we were buying was an opportunity to sit at the table and say, here are our high friction problems. They may or may not be totally similar or dissimilar to another organization. How can we leverage this system to fix that? So there are some core things, some central things they had already done, most of which we're deploying. But the reality is, is as I share with the rest of the executive team across the organization what the system is capable of and how it works, they're coming to me now and saying, hey, so could we use Artisite in the loading dock? Could we use Artisite in a variety of different places? Because it's not a box of ready-made solutions that I decide which ones I want. It's really a platform for me to be able to buy and say, great, I have the platform. Now what problems do I want to solve? Yeah, not so fast. That's the closing music from our clips that we do for videos. And uh, it was the only clip I could find to pull this together. So we're going to keep going though. Before I get there, uh, the application of video in healthcare is really fascinating to me. We did an interview with this one with Artisite. We also did one with ICAD Med, about a 25 minute conversation with them in the VMware booth. And we talked about ICAD Med's uh, solution sits on top of VMware on top of NVIDIA chips and it is processing mammography images and it improves the efficiency of the clinicians and the reads by over 55% and reduces the error rate. This is the kind of place where technology and healthcare intersect and we're gonna see significant improvement over time. So really exciting. All right, so here you go. I wanna get into the Google Health sure. announcement. So it uh, just came out this morning. It did. So tell us a little bit about that announcement. Right, so uh, you know, Meditech originally went to the cloud with Google in 2018, and that was our original opportunity to take Expanse to a new architecture in the cloud. Um, we realized the power and potential of this partnership, which has grown deeper over time. And there's a lot of synergy between uh, some of the culture of Google and some of the culture of Meditech in terms of deep technical prowess. We saw an opportunity to consider the next iteration of where health IT is going, which is clearly into a more interoperable space. 
we saw an opportunity to fulfill the promise of healthcare in the sense of bringing data in to a very intuitive view for physicians that incorporates the current encounter, but also searches and summarizes data from legacy systems or other vendor systems, and that's exactly the part of Google that we're taking advantage of. So I think if you look at the power and the assets and the experience of Meditech in terms of healthcare and clinical systems and Google in terms of search and summarization and UI, we've got a really powerful story to tell. So we will enable what ultimately we want to be as a longitudinal health record that's person-centric, regardless of the system of source, easy to access for docs. It's interesting to me, we've been looking for the Google search bar in the EHR since I came into healthcare back in 2010. And who better to bring the Google search bar into the EHR than Google? Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And when you consider the fact that, you know, 70 to 80% of all data in the EHR is unstructured data, uh, who better to bring that data together? Now, I know there's a lot of privacy concerns around that. We address that in this interview. You're going to want to go listen to that if you want to hear information about that, as well as some other things that we discuss in the interview as well, like internet architecture applied to the EHR. All right, so the next clip is going to be with Jefferson Health. Nasser Nizami stopped by. And, you know, one of the things we know is going on is M&A activity, and we discussed that a little bit in this clip. What's top of mind? What's going on uh, for you in Philadelphia? A lot happening. Uh, we acquired uh, Einstein Health, which is a three hospital health system four months ago. Three months ago, we acquired Health Partners Plan. And of course, we have been going uh, between these COVID waves. It finally feels after almost two years that we may be out of COVID now. So the real projects, build, implementation, consolidation are hitting us more now. Last week has been just remarkable focused on COVID, vaccination, testing, that sort of stuff. So now more integration, digital front door, uh, uh, AI automation, some topics that I care a lot about are bubbling up, which I'm really excited about. Always great to catch up with Nasser. Uh, I once defined the CIO job of one of fits and starts. You get to work on the really fun projects in between doing the operational needs of the job. So M&A falls into that category. You have to respond, you have to do that well. Uh, the data center, you have to keep that data center running if there's an outage, if there's a security event. And so you try to be strategic in between all the operational things that have to occur. All right, we're going to close this out and we're going to close it out with Scott McLean with MedStar Health, who talks about what is top of mind for him in the nation's capital. I'm always talking about connectivity. So wired, wireless, cellular connectivity, shrouded in security, these are critical. We can have the best applications in the world, but if you can't deliver them, and that end, end user devices, making sure that those are in working order. So we had to move a lot of equipment around. Everyone did, right? There were tents, there were testing, vaccination tents, um, new ICUs, various ways that we had to make sure that physical spaces were outfitted with the right equipment. And so really proud of the way that people moved for that. We also built out with the Army Corps of Engineers, the DC Convention Center. We were the mm -hmm. provider there. Fortunately, we never had to see any patients there, but it was uh, a beautiful facility that was put together in about three weeks. Great way to close out our show. This is one of, again, about 50 interviews. You can find them on our newsroom channel. The reason I put this set of clips together for a conference show, for a keynote show, was to just make you aware of the fact that there are 50 of these interviews, short interviews, about 10 to 12 minute interviews 
that I did at the various conferences. And we're going to keep doing these at the conferences. I, I find them to be fantastic. They're, they're really well received uh, in terms of the metrics and the downloads that they receive and the social media response as well. So uh, check those out on the newsroom channel and give us any feedback that you have on them as well. It is greatly appreciated. We want to thank our keynote sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Those are Sirius Healthcare, VMware, Transparent, Press Ganey, Sempris, and Veritas. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.